Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week on the podcast, we're talking about daddy issues and attachment styles. Welcome back to another episode of Dope Black Women. Uh, today, we are discussing this term, daddy issues, because as most of you know, Father's Day is this Sunday in the UK, and it is something that can stir up a lot of emotions in people. Um, it's something that can cause some controversy and just some difficult conversations, um, particularly when it comes to daddy issues. So guys, when you've heard the phrase before, what is like the image that you get in your head? Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and also like girls are just very promiscuous. That, that, like growing up, really? that's what I thought. Yeah, like, if a girl had daddy issues, she would normally be someone who was very promiscuous and, like, just always put herself out there towards men. The type of women or girls that were labelled to have daddy issues, the reason why the person saying it was labelling them that was usually because they were quite, like, overly promiscuous, very, like... I, I don't want to use the word ho, because I don't like that word, but ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That was definitely the narrative growing up. It's funny, for me now, I just think we all have daddy issues. Like, I'm convinced every woman has some sort of daddy issues, even if they had a good dad, right? And then all men have mommy issues, like taking it back to Freud and all of those theories. Like, it's, yeah, I think we just all have daddy issues. And they all definitely, like, this this episode, which obviously lives brought a, the idea of attachment issues to us early in the, was it the last episode or episode before uh i think it was the episode before but yeah m the more we talk about it is the more i see like very clear connections between <laughs> my daddy issues and how i am 100 relationships now yeah so the actual definition of daddy issues according to slang by dictionary.com <laughs> they're making their coin Official. daddy issues <laughs> daddy issues is an informal phrase for the psychological challenges resulting from an absent or abnormal relationship with one's father often manifesting in the distrust of or sexual desire for men who act as father figures that to me hits the nail on the head because when I think about my relationships it is definitely my relationships with men that have been most affected by my relationship with my dad like there's a clear correlation there 
Yeah, no, definitely. I would say, and more so the significant relationships that I've had. Like, I think the relationships that have meant the most and probably also been the most traumatic <laughs> are... That laugh. People. <laughs> that was a trauma laugh. She was like, <laughs> That was a laugh of your paid laugh. <laughs> are definitely people who... Um, remind me so much of my dad, whether in terms of their personality or their approach to things, down to the careers that they had. Yeah, like 100%. I saw a tweet the other day and I was like, oh my God, she hit the nail on the goddamn head. <laughs> and it was like, um, you know, why is daddy issues used as an insult to women when actually it's about how men have failed? Mm. and I'm like bruv it's true why do we use it as an insult to women when it's like the woman has done nothing wrong in this scenario like she's the victim but yeah it's used as a justification for like oh she was crazy she was needy she was out here she's got daddy issues like that whole narrative is so toxic and I think it does happen in the black community especially like I, I think I'm less likely to hear a white person say daddy issues. Yeah, or maybe I don't know. I don't think I've maybe. heard any of my white friends say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard any of my white American friends. white friends say it. But yeah, now that I think about it, it's true. It is quite a because it's like, how did I get these daddy issues? Where did they come from? Mm. They clearly came from some toxic masculinity that was going on in the household from from when we were younger yeah so I mean like how would you describe and obviously like only say what you're comfortable with but how would you describe your relationship with your dad was like then like what about it formed daddy issues I think in my family generally (laughs) it's like long pause oh god that's just a deep breath I can feel trauma (laughs) coming through Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I think growing up, I was definitely, and this is true for both of my parents, but particularly for my dad, because my dad was around, but he wasn't necessarily present, if that makes any sense. You know, he did Mm. what he thought he should do as a dad, which is show up at the ceremonies and, um, you know, make sure that he was there to discipline us, but he wasn't really present. So I think there was this like constant need for approval from him or like him demonstrating that he loved us. I don't remember my dad saying I love you when I was growing up. Because mm. I just he you <laughs> know, he things. was born <laughs> he was born in the nineteen twenties. My dad was born in nineteen twenty nine. So oh, by shit. the time yeah. <laughs> by the time he had me, he grew up in a pre in a in a colonial time, you know. And I guess at that point in time, and I know, I only found out later on in life that he had his own daddy issues, you know, that he had a tumultuous relationship with his father. And so I think for me, there was always this need for his approval. Mm. I totally agree with that. Like my relationship with my dad and my relationship with my mom are completely different. Mm. Like, um, I don't think, it just doesn't come naturally to me now after all these years to go to my dad if I had like an emotional well-being problem Mm. if I had a physical problem that I needed someone to take me to the hospital yeah I'd call my dad because as you said he always has turned up for the things that you could write down on paper that make someone a good dad like um you know making sure you had a roof over your head making Mm -hmm. sure there was food on the table like tick 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 (laughs) those things were done but for me those things were done from my dad and also my mom but you know my dad was like the father figure like 100 percent. but um 
I don't know. I think like there's so much to be said about men that come from a certain generation. Mm. Um, because And they are now having children and are struggling with their relationships with their children. Because, you know, something like mental health, which is really important to me and has been such a big factor of my well-being. You know, he sees as this thing that like millennials have just made up and like, you know, we're too sensitive. Back in my day, you had to kind of just get on with things. Mm. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have time off work for something that was going on in your head. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm, I know it's in my health. head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's I'm quite interesting what you're saying because I think I relate a bit more to Leanne in terms of like always being there but not really being present. So like growing up for a lot of my childhood, my dad was in and out of prison for most of it. And that meant there'd be long periods of time where it'd be really close and there'd be lo- other periods of time where I had to just deal with him not being there. So I think because of that, this is deep, fuck. Because when I'm deep in it, yeah, when we come on to, like, attachment styles later on, this actually all makes sense now. I've just gone full circle. Wow, this is amazing. But anyway, yeah, because of that, I think um, it... Wow, sorry, no, I've actually started myself. But basically, what I was saying was, he was, like, always in and out of prison, and then similar to what Liam was saying, like, he doesn't say I love you. I think I, I messaged him that, like, in the last 12 months, and he sent me back a gif of a bear going like this. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, for people that blowing a kiss. See, it's like a bear blowing a kiss so i said i love you he said a, a bear emoji back of a, bl- a bear blowing a kiss not even love you not even love you no and like i remember being at uni yeah, and, I, and i was going through a, like a really like really really bad time and i called my mom she didn't answer i called my aunt didn't answer i called my nan didn't answer i said you know what i'm gonna have to call my dad yeah because there's nobody else i called i messaged i, don't know, I think i whatsapped him and i was like dad I'm not sure why, but I'm feeling really low. Uni trusted me out, blah, 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 blah. The guy sent me pictures of this new place he was going to start renting out for a club. <laughs> <laughs> he ignored what I said and has changed topic. Like, and I was, at that point, I thought, this guy's got something wrong with him. There's no way someone's child can come to them in such distress that I did in my message and you send them something, com- you don't even acknowledge it. Like, you can even, you don't just send a thumbs up or... So then, like, you could have Googled, like, positive quotes for the week and then just sent me one Send me something you found, you like, just nothing. on Google Images. You didn't do nothing, but definitely in my older age, I, I, I definitely attribute that to his relationship with his parents. But growing up, I, I think I think the more I get older, the more I'm empathetic towards his story. Because I think growing up, I was very much frustrated by not seeing my dad act in the way that my friends dad dad did so like a lot of my friends are in two parent household families a lot of them are middle class so their experience their experiences their 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 parents are very different to me and like i always used to i don't know if you guys ever did this i think it's actually very unfair but hey ho this is life but i used to always compare my mum to my dad a lot so i used to struggle in my head not one's a woman and one's a man they're your parents so it's like if mum can do all these a million things why can't you do like two out of those million. That that and that, that was something I found very frustrating because my mum was someone that I spoke about spoken about this time and time again that I'm really, really close to. So I got a lot of like emotional attention and love from her. Like I, I can t- the woman says I love you randomly throughout the day. Like I don't even live with her anymore. She'll text me, love you, hope your day's going well. So like imagine having that and go to zero. <laughs> No, exactly. My mom was like that too. My mom was always kissing us, always hugging us, always telling us that she loved us. When Anybody would, that knew my mom would say that, like, her main thing was her kids. Like, she mm. was obsessed with her children. And possibly to the detriment of our marriage. Like, so, 
the same thing. It was like opposite extremes up op- operating in the same mm. household. It was weird. And I find it interesting mm. because I've got a cousin that I was talking to, and from the outside looking in, her family seems so perfect. Like they're rich. They got actually let me not let me not um identify them by due <laughs> for identification. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> trauma. Um, yeah. Basically, I was talking to her, and she was basically saying like her mum doesn't ever hug her, and like doesn't say say to her she loves her and stuff like that. And I was so confused. I'm like, how can your mum not say she loves you? And I've got, like, another friend that is the same thing where, like, her relationship with her mum's quite toxic, but her relationship with her dad is really, really positive. So I just find, I find it so interesting, like, when I talk to different people about their relationships and then you kind of hear how it differs. Because, like, we're all saying the same thing, like, we're closer with our mums. But there's actually so many people that have got, like, a whole other story to tell. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I would definitely say it's way too... It's way too simplized to make it a gender thing. Like, oh, because you're a woman and she's a woman and women are supposed to be more sensitive and more, you know, open with their emotions. That That's the reason why. Because again, like you said, there are loads of people out there who are really close with their dads and not all close with their mums. So I think um, definitely like it's, there's a generational divide and also your parents' relationship with their parents mm. will have a huge impact on how they are and the kind of parent they'll be. And I think like, as I've got older, something I've had to to take into consideration more is just like, you know, try to just understand your parents and try to like see them as like individuals mm. rather than just like mum and dad figures and that, you know, they make mistakes and that they have their own stories to tell and that they have their own history that has defined them the way that so is ours. Um and ha- not saying that's easy, it's still really fucking difficult. How 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 um <laughs> transparent would you say your parents have been or are? Because I feel like when I tried to talk to my dad about his story, like recently, because we've gotten a lot closer, he na- like naturally in conversations things will come up and then I'll find out more about him. But I'm like twenty three now. Do you know what I mean? And there's, mm. there's, I didn't know half of these things, like, even a year ago. Anything I knew about him that was deep or that, that, that painted a picture of who he was as a person came from stories that I heard from my mum my or my aunt that I always talk about. And it's like, if I, if I put the reverse on with my mum, I know so much about her story. I can write her autobiography for her. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> Maybe some bits would be missing, but for the most part, like, I know it. So, like, for you guys, what's your, what's your experience been like in terms of finding out, like, information about your dad's? I mean, I would say that some of it I've kind of just, like, seen play out and other stuff, like you said, I've heard from secondhand accounts, whether that's my mum or his sister, whoever. Um, so in my dad's example, um, his dad, so my granddad, died really young. Like, my dad was, um, I think he was 18 or 19. So he, and then he had to become, like, the head of the household because my nan wasn't working. So he suddenly came from being a teenager to being like the man of the house mm. and he he had to kind of put aside his emotions and put aside his needs to become like the caregiver of my um his mother and his sister and I think that has followed him his whole life of just like you know stiff other lip like men don't show emotions men don't cry men have to take care of their family um which has actually become to the detriment of having a daughter who's quite emotionally vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he prepared for it. (laughs) That's hilarious. 
Yeah, I think um, for me, it's oh, interesting. Just, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Liv. Sorry, I thought no, you were done. No, no, no. So it's only because I just remembered a story when um, Shan was talking about that conversation with her dad. It just reminded me of, um, I remember, you know, when I've texted my dad in the past, I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't get the job. I'm really upset. You know, I didn't get the job. You know, I'm really feeling dad. He's like, oh, you're not upset, are you? Don't, don't be upset. <laughs> You know, that's the worst. Don't, no, I don't want my tears. Don't be upset. Going to You're not upset, are you? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you go. Oh, no, it's fine. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the healing that my dad and I were able to go through came out of him sharing and telling his stories. So, like you guys growing up, any stories that I might have heard um, came through secondhand accounts or what little my mom knew of my dad because she also met him by the time he was in his 50s. So it was, you know, she she missed out on the first 50 years of his life. Um, and so even now, it's nice to hear stories about him in hindsight, you know, but a lot of the healing that he and I went through was because he was able to share and be open and talk about his relationship with his parents and how much he loved his mom. And so a lot, it's funny because when he told those stories, I was able to see that he was replicating a lot of his dad's behavior in terms of how he treated my mom. And then also how I was replicating his behavior, not only in my relationships, but also in my response to um their situation because I realized that so much of what I didn't like about my dad growing up was how he treated my mom and their relationship and so but being able to as Shan said hear kind of get a comprehensive understanding of who he was and get his background and why he was the way he was made it a little bit more it made it easier to love him and to forgive some of the things that I thought were just him being an asshole or him being mean or, you know. Because it's all so about think... the script, isn't it? Like, you know, there's that, that idea that you can repeat the script or you can change it at like, generational cycles. It's to do with, it's sort of linked to that. And I guess for me, I, I had a lot of, I think I put a lot of pressure before thinking like, why can't you change? Why can't you not do this or that? Because when I spoke to my mum, because she was so open, there were things that maybe her mum did or her dad did that she didn't really appreciate that she made the active decision to not do. So her and her, my mum and her parents were nowhere near as close as me and my mum are, or me and my mum and her other children are, because she was like, I want my children to have a really close relationship with me so that anything that comes up, they can come to me about it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because my mum was very open, but still equally as problematic. Um, And as I got older... And I saw the balance in that perspectives and her unwillingness to heal and his willingness to heal, albeit brought her on by illness. It's interesting to me, is is vulnerability really the the answer to or being open really the answer to being a good parent? Or is it I don't know what you know what I mean? Because some people can be really open with their kids and still be really bad parents, you know, yeah, and still be 100%. really toxic. If they're not willing to change. They can talk about their their issues all day long but if they're not willing to change them then there's you know you you kind of meet uh, you're at an impasse so i mean um like rashan said i would say that i'm really only understanding 
these constructs and these connections in the last year or so, maybe three years top. Um, and I'm in my mid twenties now. So like Leanne, for you being in your thirties, I mean, is there something that, um, do you feel a level of, because both your parents have sadly passed away, do you feel like a level of pain that's like, oh, uh, if I had more time with them, we could have got closer? Um, I think I'm actually in a weird way. I'm going to be specific about my dad because my relationship with my mom is very different because um, it almost was role reversal, whereas my mom was my best friend growing up. But then when I got older, my dad and I became so close. And I think I'm kind of at peace with my dad because when he was sick and during that last year that we, um, well, during the last year of his life, we became so close. I mean, we literally spent almost every single day together and he was so open and so emotional and so bare and so raw. And I'm sad that it took him being sick to bring that out, but it definitely um, gave me a sense of peace when he passed to say like, we were good, you know, like whatever beef I had with him or whatever beef he might have had with me was dead and squashed. And so in that sense, um, as difficult as it was, I'm super grateful that we had that time together. This is the Dope Black Women podcast. So one of the things that we've established here is that your relationship with your dad, your relationship with your parents um, is defined by your childhood. And that can have a huge impact on your relationships in general, moving forward um, into adulthood. Um, and one of the scientific and psychological studies for this is called attachment theory. And I would recommend everyone to look into this and to find out what your attachment theory is, because I think it can really help you to explain and nail down why you are the way you are and help you tackle difficult conversations in your relationships, whether that's friends, whether that's your partner. When you feel like, oh my God, I'm just not on the same page as this person. They do not understand me at all. can often be because of attachment theory. So attachment theory is generally broke down into four different types, which are... Fearful, avoidant, anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and secure. Now, I know none of y'all are secure. I already know that one. So why don't worry not, about that one. Why couldn't we be secure? <laughs> because y'all aren't secure. From what I've just heard, y'all don't have insecure <laughs> Actually, attachment that's theories. that's all I've got. Thank you very much. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I had too much trauma going um, up. <laughs> Roshan, what is your attachment theory? So mine was a uh, fearful avoidant, which means that you're basically sometimes confused uh, about how you feel towards loved ones. And when I first read it, I thought about the current situation I'm in now, and it definitely applies. But then also, this is something I've battled with a lot in terms of friendships as well. So sometimes I have friends that I'm really, really close to, and then they'll do like one thing wrong that in the grand scheme of things of like minor. And I'll be like in my head, I don't talk to them anymore. And I will still I will not I won't burn their bridge. I don't do I don't do this anymore because I re- I realised I was doing it and I have control over it over it now. But I don't do it anymore. But this is like two years ago I would do this and then I'll be like, I'm gonna burn that person's bridge. And I wouldn't actually burn it, I would just distance myself from them for a quite a while, like six months, eight months, ten months, twelve. Um, and that was, that was just how I would deal with it. And it's, 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 it's actually quite toxic to be like that. I mean, when it, when it comes to friendships, I've definitely nailed it in the head that it doesn't happen anymore. But I know that in my current relationship that I'm in now, 
this is definitely playing a part. And only reading this now, I'm like, oh, that's what it is. So, I mean, um, Rashan, do you feel that, like, you struggle to build, like, boundaries? Do you feel like you struggle to get people, to allow people to get close to you almost? I think with some people, it's definitely, it definitely varies person to person. So, for example, my friend Ella, who I met at uni, within, like, I think it was less than two weeks, we had both shared, like, some very, very sensitive information with her that, like, most of my friends, with each other, sorry, that, like, most of my friends don't know. I mean, I, when I say most of my friends, I'm talking about my close friends, like, my immediate circle, not, like, Tom, Dick, Harry and his wife. Do you know what I mean? But it was, like... <laughs> yeah, So yeah, that yeah. was literally, like, 14 days. But then I have other people where it's, like, I've been friends with them for, for years and years and years and I trust them completely and they don't know, like, that part of me. Do you know what I mean? So I think when it comes to, like, trusting people with, like, sensitive stuff or vulnerable stuff, I think it definitely just... It just depends. Like, I think I'm... I'm, I'm I can sometimes be quite an energy person. Like, I know when I can trust someone or when I can't because I'm quite intuitive. And most of the time, like, that's... In fact, all the time, it hasn't really ever failed me. So, yeah, I think I'm all right when it comes to that. What did you guys get? I got fearful avoidance as well, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it definitely is... Although I think mine probably manifests itself a little bit differently than Shan's. I think for me, um, I have a tendency to kind of anything that seems remotely safe and stable <laughs> i try i tend to run away from because mm. it says <laughs> in the e i'm such a commitment phobe like i think i purposely sometimes walk into difficult situations or situations that i know are unlikely to last clarify to that <clears throat> yeah of course i watched this um clip the other day i can't remember if i sent it to you or not and it was basically about um Oh fuck! I can't remember. It was about it was about something versus com- compatibility, yeah. And in the in the video, she talks about having a wound mate. And she was oh basi- no! Somebody else sent it to me, but I do remember seeing it. Yeah, and she was basically saying that like sometimes you gravitate towards people who remind you of the the wounds and the trauma of what you what you experienced as a child. So when you're in a relationship, you're either you should either be healing with that person or you're just repeating the wound that you had that you, you had before. So yeah, I feel like 100%. that kind of reminds mm. me of the fearful avoidance bit. Because when you were talking about, like, the commitment phobe, I feel like I've met guys that are, quote-unquote... they're not. I wouldn't even say, like, nice guys, but, like, quote-unquote, like, um, just generally decent people. And I've, I've found a reason not to like them. And looking yeah. back, it's like, that reason's not valid <laughs> at all. I just made it up. <laughs> and so my, even my girlfriends are asking me all the time, like, are you sure you even want to be in a relationship? Because it feels like you purposely self-sabotage all the time and it makes sense because in the email that you know the results of the test are are sent to us um it says the fearful avoidant often had a strong bond with a parental figure as a child this this subconsciously taught them to crave emotional connection but that it was also unsafe and it's true i i do definitely crave (laughs) (laughs) the intimacy and the connection but as soon as it's there, it's like, oh, I might lose this. So it's either you cling to it or you run from it. And I think mm. I have a tendency to run from it. And do you ever feel like when it comes to like, so like I'm, so this, this, this more happened when I was younger as opposed to like now. I don't think, I think all, all of my friendship, my friendship group hasn't really changed. But when I was younger, I was definitely like hyper aware if I felt like I told more, exposed more of my vulnerable side than my friend did. Do you get what I mean? And if they didn't expose as much as me, it mm. made me draw back. So if I felt like 
this person knew like 100% of my, I, I'm being dramatic, this is, this is going to sound very childish because this is how I looked at it when I was younger. But if I'm looking at like, oh, this person knows 75% of my story and I only know 65% of theirs, it would be like, <laughs> I have to withdraw back, I can't trust them. Yeah, 100%. But it's because the emotion, mm. it, it felt like, why, would, why couldn't they be emotionally available do you get what I mean? And I feel like when it comes to relationships as well, I expect that a lot. So I expect the guy to be very much emotionally available because that's what I know I'm willing to give out, even though it's very different for men. And if there's even the smallest sign, I'm, I'm like, I pull back. Yeah. I have to wait it out until that person shows me another sign that they're committed or that they're putting forth the effort or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm. How would you guys say that your attachment style has been affected or has been influenced by your relationship with your dads? I think it's just that constant need for approval. It's like that, you know, as I said, when I was growing up with my dad, I was very much, um, I saw my, both my myself and my siblings and my mom seeking approval from my dad as like the head of the household and oftentimes not getting it. And even if you did get it, it wasn't lasting. So I think in that sense, it's like you're you're searching for a sign that this person is on board with you. And the minute that you don't get it, it's like, oh, this this might not be sustainable or it might not be real. So let me just pull back mm. before I get too attached and I get hurt. I think mm. I think of me, it's a bit different because mine was less about approval. And I think it was more because it was in and out of prison. And when I was younger, like, my, my family didn't tell me the ins and outs of how long he's going to be there, when he's going to come out. Mm. And sometimes you're, like, you're in, you're out on bail, you're in, and then you're in a DCAT prison, so you come out for a day. or So it was just, it was just so unsettling. So there was, there was, it was hard to get a routine of, like, this is what, this is what my relationship my dad's going to be like now. Because it was like, well, in right. a year's time, he's going to go back to prison, and then it's going to have to change. So I think that's where mine comes in, because it was like there was never... It was never black and white of how our relationship was going to be for whatever, mm. whatever period of time it was. It was always fluctuating and I had to just adapt to that. So I think, and I think that's why as well, when it comes to relationships, I find it really easy to just push people away and let go. So even if there's someone that's really close to me, I can literally like burn their bridge and be over it in a week. In fact, Livs, you're, you know, when I used to work with you, do you remember that guy that I was like obsessed over? And then, like, a week later, you was like, oh, how is it? And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. But, like, when, when Liz was like, don't talk to him, I was like, I have to talk to him. Like, I was even mad. And then as soon as the music, like, ended, like, within a week, I was I was good. Like, genuinely good. Not even, like, front-end. I mean, I was good. So it's just... But I think, mm. I think the thing that people forget about that or what people don't realise is that when people who are fearful avoidant, just using myself and yourself as an example... Mm make the decision to be committed to somebody like you it's know it's deep yeah. yeah like you know you need to appreciate that because coming from where we're coming from that's almost impossible for us to do Liz, mm. what's your what, what did you get i'm assuming you didn't get fair for avoiding <laughs> or secure i did not <laughs> no of course i didn't get secure come on now <laughs> i got um i got anxious preoccupied so an anxious, preoccupied attachment style, um, this means that you really value a strong emotional connection in your relationships, whether they are family, romantic or platonic. You might even find yourself hungering for it. However, this also means that you tend to self-sacrifice in these relationships in order to keep those around you happy and that your sense of self can be derived from outside of you. Unfortunately, this also means 
that the value you place on relationships so, so supersedes your own needs and causes you to essentially abandon yourself. Anxious attachments occur because in childhood you experience inconsistency from the parental figures you had in life. This means, for example, that you possibly had a strong connection with one parent and the other was absent. In Another example would be a good emotional connection with your caregivers, but they were not consistently present in your life, possibly due to overbearing work schedule. (laughs) Cool, blimey, geezer. (laughs) Drag me! (laughs) I was dragged. But, like, honestly, that is such a reflection of, like, how I am, especially because I have anxiety anyway. I think I place a lot of emphasis on the relationships I have in my life. Like, they're really important to me, which isn't a bad thing. But, like, you know, if I have an argument with someone, it's like all hell breaks loose. Like, you know, in the early days of me and Josh's relationship, every time we had an argument, I thought, like, we're going to break up. It's over. He doesn't love me. And, like, even Rashad will know this. Like, sometimes we... (laughs) Sometimes we've had arguments. (laughs) Rashad will know this like um even sometimes when we've had like the tiniest tiff at work I'll be off the whole day because I'll be so anxious about whether we're good like I I I think I would always be cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there like (laughs) we're not cool and that is definitely um anxious tendencies like coming out um I mean like Oh, what was my point going to be? Yeah, like, it's a good thing to um, to care about the relationships you have around you, whether they are your friends, your loved ones, platonic, whatever. But when it gets to the point where, like, other people's emotions di- dictate your inner peace, that's a problem. And I think that's what I deal with, that, like, how other people are and how our relationships are will really mess up, like, my inner psyche, like, I can't... But do you I think that's closure. linked to this or do you think it's linked to anxiety? Um, I mean, it's definitely both. Like, you know, as as I was saying, like, my, you know, there was a there was um, a sentence in there that said, you know, can often um, come from being close to one parent and not the other and receiving, like, um, the kind of TLC that parents should give from one f- figure but not the other. And I'm like, whoo! You hit the nail on the head, honey. You hit the nail on the goddamn head. So it's really, it's again, going back to what we said at the beginning of this podcast, it's really upsetting that um, daddy issues is seen as a negative trope that women have when it comes from like real psychological behavior and real psychological trauma that has been studied and has had scientific evidence for. And yet seen as, you know, women are emotionally dramatic creatures by nature almost because I think if men were willing to have this conversation a lot of them would also have similar attachment problems whether that's because of their mum or dad or both Mm. yeah I was gonna say exactly the same thing just that men are just taught are just socialized to do the very opposite of what we're socialized to do you know we're socialized to be emotional and emotive and feminine and all of the things that come around with that often even if they're negatively categorized whereas men are taught to be strong and unemotional and please don't um, you love me today (laughs) (laughs) but it's not seen as a negative thing for a man to do that you know it's not seen as a negative thing the things (laughs) not 
It's so jarring, man. God. No, it's actually being being someone who's very emotional, very like finds it relatively easy to talk about their emotions, and then having to deal with the majority of men who aren't like that. It's actually quite frustrating because you're someone who's giving out all this info or like not even like info, but when it comes to like conflict or just being transparent about how you feel, you find that easy to do, and then you're getting nothing back. And then what I find is that when it comes to conflict, then you want to, then all the feelings come out. Why the feelings coming out <laughs> yes, now when there's conflict? Only after the problem, when you want to try and fix it. But before, when I was talking, you mm. could have responded, no? Shut up. And what's interesting is that, like, um, you know, oftentimes women in relationships feel like they have to be a mother figure to their boyfriends or their husbands or their oh, partners. Please, they have to fulfill this mother. <laughs> <laughs> they have to feel like this mother figure. And it's like, well, no one, why is no one saying, oh, boys have mummy issues, boys have mummy issues because they need a mother figure out of their girlfriend? Why is no one saying that today? I say that no one saying all that? the motherfucking time, okay? <laughs> all men have mummy issues on some level or another in the same way that all of us have daddy issues. It's just a fact. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> oh, that's long, ma'am. But do you guys think that you also. And I have to be honest about this myself because I think I'm complicit in it. And I don't know if it's because of my toxic femininity or if it's because of the fact that I'm a fearful avoidant. But I also find it weird or I've I used to I've grown into it now, but I used to find it weird when men were emotional around me. No, I don't because I think I'm I've you know, I'm woke and I'm clued up. <laughs> but. Yeah, when I was younger, in my teenage years, early 20s, if a man bawled in front of me, I was like, but what are you crying for? Like, oh, no, you're, no, that's harsh. That's not finding it weird. I know, that's I know. Harsh. That's toxic. That's 100%. I'm nice owning person. up. <laughs> I'm owning up to my toxicity in this. But yeah, men being emotional used to make me uncomfortable because really? it's something that I was just so not used to. I find like, it so I, attractive, you know. But not all the time. I don't start crying in films and stuff like that. Like you got you gotta be But why not, Shan? He just wants to be cry in films. You film. don't need to cry in films. You're a bad B, just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you bad B No. No. But I do, but I get what you mean, because I remember when I was younger, there was just actually I, I don't think I've ever found it weird. I think I was just more surprised because I didn't see it growing up. So because I didn't see a man acting that way, like be emotive and be emotional. When I've then seen it, I've then felt a bit like Oh, raw. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I don't think, I, I don't think, I've, ever, I don't think I've ever seen my dad cry. Same. Ever. I, I only saw him cry within the last two years of his life. Literally. So, yeah, it's, it's the same. So now I get it. And I have... Even seeing him cry has made me feel more comfortable dealing with mm. men's emotions. I'm quite open to it now, actually. And I'm very appreciative of people who value me enough to share or be that vulnerable with me because mm. i know that it's that much harder for them mm. but yeah before i was like move with that crying shit like really <laughs> let me give you a call <laughs> baby don't worry about baby. that she don't want you sweetheart. <laughs> she don't want, she don't want you to... <laughs> stop it 
I think um, because I am um, have anxious attachment tendencies, I would say like it's been the opposite with, for me. That like if you are crying, if you're upset, if you're being emotional, I can deal with that. I understand that. I can empathize. We can get past it. But if you're just being cold, mm. if you're just being like difficult, which is what some men tend to jump to, where they just say like, no, I'm fine. And it's like, well, you're not like, <laughs> and they'll be, they'll be like, you know, dismissive. Yeah, that I can't deal with. Cause it's like, if you're not talking to me, if you're not letting me in, how am I supposed to like deal with this? How am I supposed to like ease the tension and put out the fire? And especially being anxious and needing that kind of like confrontation and needing that closure. Now we're both just going crazy. <laughs> true, true. I wish I wasn't as toxic as I was when I was younger. I wish I was more like you guys. Aww. You can, be, you Aww. can change now. I no, mean, you're I'm, still I'm toxic. There, no. like. <laughs> I ain't toxic now, B. <laughs> but I was. I mean, I'm still toxic. I think Same everyone's a little bit toxic. Stuff as well. You gotta be honest. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> one, one day you have a, Living your toxic. One day there can be an episode talking about crazy stories. Hope I'm not the only one that has stories to tell. <laughs> so... Our producer, Leanne, is also on this call. Leanne, do you want to share your attachment theory? So, I actually got secure. Really? Oh, really? <laughs> Sorry. That doesn't actually that, surprise me. We've got a change of plan. Leanne, if you could mute yourself, because this is for the trauma people only, and you don't relate. <laughs> My girl is secure. secure. The <laughs> good beat. What the fuck you thought? <laughs> <laughs> the way that trauma. Uh, I don't know. Her. I don't know trauma. That's good. But I think what you guys have been saying has been really interesting because I got secure as like the most, and then the sec as like forty percent, and then the second two were tied as dismissive, avoidant, and anxious, preoccupied. And I think those two definitely reflect like the romantic relationships that I've been in 100% and I see the secure thing kind of being more kind of what's come down from my parents and kind of kind of describes my immediate circle really well um but it's just like I, I've, had, I've got a really good relationship with my dad and I'm really grateful but I think it's only been really in the last few years that we've had that that's kind of changed in the way that he kind of treats me more like an adult and certain things have happened must be nice kind of growing this place because he's not he's not hugely mm. emotional but like my one of my friends passed away a few weeks ago and for the first time ever we started having conversations around mental health and I was finding out things that I had never we had never talked about before like things that's happened in his family that he'd never spoken about before mm. so um it's 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 a journey and like I've never seen either of my parents cry either like they're not they're emotional when it comes to you know conflict like you guys are saying but not necessarily in the <laughs> other sense so that in itself is a journey in itself that's interesting but yeah you, uh, that doesn't surprise me actually because you do speak of your friends and your family in a very secure loving kind of way um mm. And you don't take any shit from men either, so. Well, the thing about romantic partners putting away frequently, <laughs> I feel that was just a little bit too real for me, but that's a story for a different day. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes they just disappear and I don't know why. 
<laughs> I mean, men are still trash. Let's not forget that. It's not all on us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Dope Black Women podcast. So we've spoken about how our relationships with our fathers have impacted our relationships more widely, whether that's with other men or that's with friends, whatever it might be. Um, do you guys think you can be a good father if you are a shitty husband or partner? Do the two always correspond? Um, I definitely feel like you can do both because I feel like I have, um, I've seen relationships where the father is very much present, very much active, is the lead parent, but then they might abuse the mum. It doesn't take away from how they are as a, as a father. It just takes away from how they are as a partner. Do you know what I mean? Mm. See, I disagree with that, though, because I think part of being a good dad is setting an example. And no, if like, you're no, no, kid... I'm saying that like they didn't see. They, that wasn't... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, separate. Yeah. it's if... separate. I'm saying, like, do you know what I mean? If they're not in the same household, I think that's a different story. But I think if you, from, as I said, for me growing up, so much of what I didn't like about my dad was how he, was how, uh, he interacted with my mom. And not mm. necessarily in terms of abusing her because he never hit her or anything like that. But he was very cold. You know, there was a lot of infidelity in, in the marriage. So for me, seeing that obviously fucked me up <laughs> as we as we've come to find out <laughs> so clearly that his impact his parenting yeah I, I heard his, what you're saying actually you know what i mean the success yeah. of his parenting was impact you know was impacted by how he treated my mom and so if he had been a better partner some of the things that i did he might not have been a great dad but some of the things that he did that i didn't like may not have been an issue hmm yeah, I feel like if you and your partner don't have a secure marriage or a secure partnership, then that is going to like filter down into how you raise your children. And I don't it think could you be always like... see that though. Because I feel like there's lots of relationships where the child grows up thinking that everything's rosy-dozy and perfect and it's really not. And it's not until they hit 18 or 21 when they realise that actually X, Y, Z was going on in the household. And but then, then it fucks you up. <laughs> it's like a train wreck, like bursting into your house where you find it out at an older age. But I'm sure there's an example where the person didn't ever find out. So that person's a good dad, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's very rare. I think to, most. I and a lot also, of EastEnders, okay? Nothing is rare. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real storyline. But I do think. <laughs> Um, I think, I don't know, I think most children are, like, smarter than adults give them credit for. Like, they know what's going on in their house. They know what their mum and dad are like and what their relationship is like. Mm. And, you know, kids pick up on things. Like, they pick up on conversations that I think, you know, the adults think, oh, they're not listening or they're not aware of, they're not in tune to. Like, you know, and then that affects their idea of relationships as well. Yeah, I think I definitely. (laughs) You know, there's the sort of dads that are toxic in terms of they create, like, you know, like, so for example, let me give you a scenario, yeah? So there's a, there's a parents and they're, they're arguing, they're, there's, a par- there's parents and the mum's pissed off the dad or whatever, but then the dad makes the whole house feel that there's, a, there's an argument. Mm. Like that mm. child is now growing up in an environment where every other week they have to sit in silence or awkwardness or stay in their room to avoid being in a space that doesn't feel like home because of the dad. And that's actually an effect of their the mum and dad's relationship as opposed to it being the father and the child's. Do you know what I mean? I remember- that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my life. So I'm reflecting, I take it back. It's good to learn. Deep it's good to story. 
deep story i remember when i was 14 or 15 and i was taking like what we call messy xc's but i guess you guys call it gcse's and I was how old were you uh, so i was 15 i would have been 15 okay, yeah yeah GCSEs. both of my siblings were away at university and i was sitting in my living room like kind of on the living room floor doing as practicing french or something like that prepping for that exam and my dad had been out and my mom decided that this night she was going to lock change the locks and not let him in. <laughs> and I oh remember him gosh. coming home and like trying to get into the house. And my mom was like, no, you're not coming in tonight. I'm sick of your shit. Da, 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 da. And I remember him looking at me and being like, Leanne, please let me in. And my mom was like, don't let him in. My, he was like begging me to let him in and I was literally caught between the two to say do I let him in do I not let him in da, 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 da. and it was um. this huge thing and maybe by like 12 o'clock by midnight my mom just opened the door let him in and I went to sleep and I was like what on earth is going on <laughs> and so there as you see there's this constant like back and forth mm. that just was never stable so yeah I have I have that distinct memory of both of them making it my dad tried actually really hard not to let us know what was going on but being my mom's best friend or feeling like I was her best friend you know we shared everything and that went both ways and I I also think that that probably isn't a good thing I do think there there are certain things that you need to shield your kids from Mm. in order to Mm. not make them pick sides or choose between the two of you it is really fucked up though when like parents ask their children whether that's directly or indirectly to you know pick a side because it's like whatever I do I'm gonna upset someone well this isn't even about me (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly I'm not even the one who's involved in this argument but because we were all living in the same household it's like I'm expected to say something so it's either you do that you pick a side you don't get involved so then you have to kind of just like go in within yourself in order for it not to affect your mental health or you have to play like the parent role. You have to become the parent mm. and try and get these two adults to like work it out and ease the tension Which when you're exactly, the child. Yeah. That's exactly what I yeah. did. So I was like, let's go to therapy. Let's figure it out. Let's cope. Like, you know, let's have conversations. Eventually I was like, y'all just need to get divorced. Which they never actually <laughs> did. Like they separated mm. and they moved to different countries, but they never actually got a divorce. It was really, again, this very like tenuous connection that they had. Yeah. I mean, have you heard of parents parentification? Parentification, yeah, have you heard of this theory? Mm-hmm. What's that? This idea of just like, hold on. Let me get up the official definition. <laughs> <laughs> I look at this stuff a lot, guys, you can tell, right? But it's good. It's good to be do you, knowledgeable. Do you get um like Josh to do it as well? So like with the with the um attachment style theory, when you did yours, did you ask him to do it? He t- he told it to me. Oh, he showed it to me. He was like, "Oh, I'll take this." Oh. <laughs> he is a work king. Go, Josh. Um, so, parentification. He also told me about this theory. Um, is the process of role reversal whereby a child is obliged to act as a parent to their own parent or siblings. In extreme cases, the child uses this to fill a void of aliens alienating parents' emotional life. So I feel like that sounds. I feel like that's like a lot what of, you um, went through. Firstborn children, though, you know, I'm not gonna lie, mm. because mm. I feel like a lot of us, whether you have a dual parent fa- um, household or not, you have so much responsibility with like looking after children. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So like, 
even some like sometimes my mum talks to me about stuff like my mum my mum holds a lot of guilt towards like my childhood which I actually didn't think was bad at all like, I thought it was quite sick but she holds a lot <laughs> of guilt towards things that happened because she feels like I was doing stuff more than I should have but to me that was the norm because other people who were the oldest child did the same but I have a lot of memories of like getting my brother from after school club because my mum worked before she worked for herself she obviously worked like a nine to five and it was in the city. So there wasn't time to get my brother from after school club at six o'clock. So I would finish school, get him at six o'clock, come home. The food would probably be there. We put it in the microwave. But like that whole like evening routine, it, it might have started with me at one point. Do you get what I mean? So you were doing the whole brushing teeth with the kids, bedtime, all that kind of stuff? Um, not with my brother because our, my mum my, my wouldn't leave us at home for that long. This is my yeah. first brother, the younger one. Oh, okay. The one who's, we've got a six year gap. So this is me and him. Not the youngest two. The youngest two, they had it easy. They've they, they've been they have a they have dual parent household. They, they have a lot. Their their upbringing is not the same as mine. My mom's been an entrepreneur a whole time with them. It's very very different. They don't know about trauma. They don't know about working class. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I definitely think a lot of pe- a lot of older um, a lot of older people definitely I think would resonate with that because I even saw it on Twitter the other day, like a lot of people were talking about um, the pressures of being the older sibling. Because you, you definitely naturally... Sometimes it's naturally as well. Sometimes it's not to do with your your family set up. You just naturally take on that mother role. So, like, even, like, my brother, who's just turned 18, it wasn't until, like, a year ago where I stopped asking... Like, I would call him every day, like, are you at home now? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Aww. Like, my mum my, my my used to call me to find out where he was because I was so onto him, I knew his every moves. But it was because I looked, every, I looked at him in, like, a mother as a mother, as, like, a mother figure. I mean, I looked at myself with him more as, like, a mother figure. And it wasn't until, like, he would... We'd have an argu- we had an argument, and he was like, Shan, you're not my mum, you're my sister. And I was like, oh, OK, let me, ch- <laughs> let me chill out. <laughs> let me just chill. <laughs> let me... Let me settle down. I mean, like, Rashad, do you um, feel like, um, because your father wasn't around, really, growing up... Um, and the impact that had on, you know, you having to do this process of parentification. Does that hold, like, some resentment for you? Has that affected your relationship with your dad, that you hold this, like, resentment of, like, you know, why was I the parent? Why weren't you? No, no, not at all. And the reason why, there's quite a few reasons. So one is because I think, in terms of how it shaped me now, I'm super independent. Like, not, and I hate when people, women say, that, I'm independent. Nah. But I genuinely am super independent. And that stemmed from being like that. Do you get what I mean? I'm extremely good with kids, naturally. And that stemmed from mm. being like that. And those are two things that about me that I really love and wouldn't actually want to change. So that's one reason. The second reason is because even though he was in and out, I still spoke to him. Like, he was still very much there. It's just that a lot of the things... It, my issue it wasn't even so much him not being there. It was that when he wasn't there, when he was here, he still wasn't here. So when he was out of prison, he still wasn't really coming to parents' evenings or coming to, like... All of the um, like my net, I was I was heavily involved in netball. I played at quite a high level. He didn't come to those matches. He came to one match, and I had matches every single week for quite a few quite a few years. But the reason why I, the reason why I don't resent him as well is because with like my brother, my the one that's uh, just turned eighteen, I've seen I've seen how much of an effort he's slowly tried to make of him for things to be different. And then I've got a sister on my dad's side as well, and I, I would say that they definitely like. He's, I, when I was younger, basically, when I was like 14, I was really angry, like really, really angry. I had a little brick phone and I was doing trigger fingers. 
I sent this guy some 15 page text. <laughs> Obviously, he's a brick, so 15 pages is small. But and I was just gunning him. Dude, you don't even know my shoe size. You don't know this. And I was just getting angry. And I was just crying, 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 crying. And then the message I basically said on it, like, I want him to make sure that he, when it comes to my sister, because I think she was just being born at that time, or she was, yeah, she was just born at that time. So I think I was 15. I was like, when she comes to my sister, I want him to make sure he's the best dad in the world of her. And I'm not saying he's perfect now, but they definitely have a really good relationship. He's definitely very present and active in her life. And when I see them two together, it just warms my heart. Like when I see her saying, oh yeah, dad's getting me from school today. I didn't have that, but it doesn't make me resent him. It makes me think like, sick. Like you, not you fucked up with one child, but you fucked up with one child and now you've, you've, you've made the active effort to, check, to turn around. There's a lot of parents out there who were shit with the first child and the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth. Do you get what I mean? Where it's like, I genuinely, I genuinely have seen a change in how he is with me, but definitely how he's been with that sister. So I can't really resent him for that because you're trying. And mm. for me in any of my relationships that I'm in, whether they're platonic, romantic, my parents or family... If someone's trying to actively do better, whether it's up to your standard or not, you actually can't wrong them. It's just up to you if you want to tolerate that person anymore. But if they're trying, there's like, that's mm. it. Do you get what I mean? Mm. That's really mature of you. Because like a lot of people, you know, would see the father in their life um, being different with younger siblings and just be enraged by that, just being like you know, just be upset by that, angry and jealous by that. The fact that you can see the positives of but that think, is really, it's really mature. I think a lot of that really comes mature. from, like, I, it's definitely easy for me to do. And I think for a lot of people, it might not be, but I didn't really feel like, it wasn't until I hit a certain age, I can't remember what it was, maybe college, where I realised how, um, what's that, what's that word called? Not neglect, but like where I realised how much my dad wasn't actually around. Because my mum did so much. She overcompensated to such a degree. There wasn't... I didn't need to notice. Do you get what I mean? Like, mm. I think I think I've said this before, but like every single sports day she was there. Mm. Most sports days, not, no one's parents were there. My mum was like the only mum that was at school. <laughs> no, no, no. She was the only mum. No, literally. I mean, I was in year 11. I was 16. She was still coming to sports days. <laughs> oh, that's every, hilarious. Every single netball match, she was there. Every... Sing so like every parent evening she was there she would turn up late because she's bad at timing but she was there so it was like I there was there was nothing to wrong because I had pet I had friends who had two parent household two parents didn't come to those, any of those stuff didn't come to any matches didn't come to parents evening they didn't go on the school trips do, do you do you know what I mean mm. so it's hard for is if I think if I grew up in an environment mm. where I missed out on a lot of things like I wasn't able to go on the ski trip because my mom couldn't afford it because my dad wasn't there and things like that I think if I had that sort of um, upbringing there would have been a lot of resentment but i literally had the opposite so I'd, he got saved by my mum. that's what it is mm. <laughs> i mean leanne would you say have any positives come out of the relationship you had with your father and you know the attachment theories um, you've grown I from think that he's definitely my dad was one of those people that he never gave you a direct answer for anything he was always like no i want you to go and figure it out, think about it, have an opinion, and then we'll come back and discuss it. So I think in that way, he definitely made me much more of an analytical thinker and also allowed me, as strict as he was, he allowed the space for me to question everything and anything so that when I decided upon something, my convictions were really strong. And I think that's something that I'm quite proud of um, that he's passed on. Um, in terms of 
I guess in all, in in some sense, you know, the idea of having principles and boundaries comes from him as well, and the concept of just not being, um, you know, I have a really bad temp bad temper, which comes from my mom, but my dad was the complete opposite of that, and I think he's definitely instilled this idea of like, uh, being principled and not letting your emotions run away with you, and so I think in that sense, I've become quite a logical thinker. So I think in that sense, there's been that that's been the most positive thing that I've that has come out of what I've learned from him, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I would say that, like, um, you know, the benefit that can come from experience, any kind of trauma makes you just a much more empathetic person. So like when I have conversations with the men in my life, whether that's friends or whether that's my partner, Josh, and they tell me about, you know, the way they've been conditioned or the way they move through the world or their relationships with their own dads, I can like, I can sympathize. Like, obviously I'm not a man, so I'll never understand directly, but I can sympathize. I can offer advice. I can say, look, like I understand this. And also it's not even that unusual um so I think it makes you a much more empathetic mm-hmm. person yeah, definitely I mean it certainly makes me more empathetic towards other women for sure and my friendships and understanding the trauma that my girlfriends have gone through and being understanding and trying to be more to be there for them more so I think maybe it's affected my friendships more than it has the positives have affected my friendships more than they have my uh romantic relationships I suppose but do you, I mean, it's funny because now I have friends that are dads and I'm able to see the shift, as you said, lives the generational shift in terms of I can't I can't think of any of my friends, my male friends that aren't amazing dads, not just good dads, but like amazing dads who are super hands on with their kids and just like very present, oftentimes doing, you know, a lot of the women that are married to are career oriented women. And so they balance the the time and the responsibilities of of parenting which i think is a beautiful thing to see do you think i don't know if you guys relate can relate to this but for me like if i meet a guy and he's got children i feel like i harsh them more stronger in terms of like not my criteria i don't really have one but i i think it's it's i want i want to assess them more about their ability to be a dad first before even my partner because of my own experience of my dad mm. yeah for sure I think my, I mean, I look out for how my partner treats other people generally. And so Mm -hmm. if he were to treat, not treat, you know, if he were to put me before his daughter, even I would like side eye him, Mm. you know. What about his baby mom? Mm -hmm. To be honest, it depends on why they broke up. Like if he cheated, for instance, so I have dated a guy who had a, uh, uh, you know an ex-girlfriend who also was a mother of his child and she he did her dirty and obviously like he kind of reformed shifted moved on it was a completely new relationship and I'm not going to judge him for that but I also can't judge her for being the way she is towards him or the way she was towards him because she went through some real shit and some real trauma mm. and he just has to suck salt and accept that for what it is. Mm. So unless she's being unreasonable, then you kind of just have to let that lie, you know, because mm-hmm. they went through their own thing that will never know the like nitty gritty details. Of. Mm. It's difficult though. So... 
you know, we have learned so much about our dads and our relationship with our dads, but it's taken a long time to get to that point. Um, so if you guys could go back in time, if you could have a conversation with your father when you were a child, um, what would you say um, that you think could posit- positively influence your relationship and his understanding of you as an individual? Um, I think I got the opportunity to do this um, in a sense, obviously, when he was sick and we were able to have those kinds of conversations. And I think at the time, I definitely remember saying to him, I wish you had just talked more and given us a better understanding of who you were. Like growing up, my dad never, I mean, he was born in Cuba. I think I've said that, I've said that on the podcast before. And he had this whole life before he had us, you know, and I wish I had known more about his upbringing and I wish he had been more vulnerable and open a lot earlier. And I think it would have made our relationship different. Um, And also, I just wish he just he and my mom had made the decision to separate. I think people try really hard to hold on and, you know, keep the family unit. But there is, as you said, lives kids are really smart and they pick up on things. And I think had they just co-parented separately I wouldn't have felt like I had to choose between them or I probably would have gained a better perspective of both of their sides instead of clinging to one um so yeah yeah I think they had just if they had put themselves first and made themselves responsible for their own happiness instead of worrying so much about ours uh, which is a strange thing to say as a as a child but yeah I think if they had learned that and just lived their authentic truths then that's probably what I would have said or what I tried to say, but less articulately at the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? That like, you know, divorce is seen as this like really terrible thing that like, if you have a divorce, you failed, you failed as a parent, you failed as a couple, you failed as a family. When actually there are loads of people that will tell you like, oh my God, like things are so much better since we divorced. Like we're so much better at co-parenting. Our family dynamic is so much better. And actually we should have done it sooner is what a lot of people will tell you about divorce. So the stigma and taboo attached to it is so toxic. Um, I think for me, it'd be similar to Leanne in terms of um, I want him to open up and tell his story more. Because I feel like that's something I'm now on a journey of trying to do. I don't know the way to do it without intruding because if he was to try and be like to me, oh yeah, great. So the last year and a bit and a half, we've had a you know, really strong relationship. Tell me your trauma. I'd be like, what the fuck? Fuck out of here. Who the hell are you? And especially when it's coming from the opposite direction and it's just the, tr- the child going to the dad, I think it would be even more of an of a um, uh, an easy option for him to just be like, like to just block away. And I've seen, I've, you know, I told you before, I said, I love you and sent me the, 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 the bear emoji. So I know that there's definitely, it's definitely easy for him to just block things out. Right? And like when we've been talking organically, he's been bringing things up. But I, said, I'm on, I feel like I'm on a journey now where I'm trying to like get information out of him, from him to learn about him. And I feel like I wish that would have happened organically as a child rather than me feeling like every time I see him, I need to get a fun fact out. Because that's actually just a lot of hard work. But I feel like the reason why I'm trying to learn more about him each time is because our relationship has grown so much and I want it to continue to grow. So, like, right now I'm 23. Hopefully by the time I'm 25, it will be pretty much normal. Like, because I I spend a lot of time with him now, so I'm hopeful that that will happen. But I think the other thing I would really, really wish I could hope for if he went back in time was that he took the burden off of my mum. So, not 
I mean in terms of finances, I mean in terms of not I mean she still knowing my mum, she probably still probably would have been at every netball match on every sports day. But her knowing that she didn't have to take those risks of her workplaces because she would she would have had her dad there. Like I remember so many conversations where she would be talking about like, Oh, I, I can't come into work, I need to leave early to go to my daughter's this and they'll be on the phone like, Well you can't do that and she'll be like, Well, I'm gonna do that. Like she shouldn't have had to have made all those sacrifices. Like I can only imagine like going through it, like I'm I'm sing I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm one person and I have no like actual responsibilities and I still feel like I deal with a lot of stuff. So to be this one person and then have two kids, and my mum had me at 17, to then have two kids, have a career, trying to run up and down, do all these things to be the best woman of the world, I can't imagine what that burden must have felt like. So I just wish that there could have been someone there to take that burden off of her. I know she had that through family members. Like my aunt on my dad's side was such a godsend. But that shouldn't have been my aunt's responsibility either. That should have been my dad's. So I just wish that my dad took more of that role on so my mum didn't have to go through that. Mm. I mean, I would say my the thing I would try or the thing I'd want to say to my dad if I could go back in time to my childhood is I think... Um, I would love him to get a more positive way of um, releasing and dealing with his anger. <laughs> you know, I think that his um, his way of dealing with his anger has never really been healthy. Um, and I think that can be the same with a lot of men. You know, it's very easy to jump to anger when actually what you are is upset or sad or hurt or, you know what I mean? Like, it's much easier to become aggressive than to become vulnerable and so I wish I saw that more growing up sorry one more <laughs> since I do this trauma I also wish that he learned how to fucking apologize <laughs> my dad apologized to me on Christmas day for the first time in my life my life, <laughs> my life! <laughs> the first time do you know what though? I feel like did he say no, I, what, no, no, yeah. did he say I'm no, sorry, no, Shan for or was it, it was, like it was and it was quick as well. It wasn't even like he waited a week or a day and let things manifest. It was quick as well. And my dad's extremely stubborn. So even if someone had said to him, I think you should apologize, if this isn't about that, that's 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 not bigger than him. He doesn't matter what the person would have said, he still would have done it. So for him to send that, I said, Wow. Wow. I said, who's this guy? It's a new man. It's a new man. <laughs> yeah, but if he, if he apologised, because, yeah, I think that would have helped a lot. Because I, I shouldn't have experienced the first time my dad apologised at, 20, at 23. That's not the first time you did something wrong. Like, you didn't, you, like, you haven't apologised for being in that prison and not being present all those times. And I'm not saying you should come back now and be, be apologetic towards that, because you don't need to do that. I don't feel like I need that right now. I wouldn't change anything. But, like, accountability goes a long way. And that's what I strive for in a lot of my relationships in general. So, yeah, I think more apologies would have been great, Dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to listen. <laughs> um, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, We hope that it has been helpful. We hope that maybe it can start some healthy and some important conversation in your household or with your parents or just about relationships in general. Um, And again, like we strongly advise, you know, look into attachment theory, do the test yourselves and, you know, get in touch with us on Twitter and on Instagram. You know, what were your results and how accurate do they think you do you think that they are? So thanks so much for listening, guys. So don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast by searching for Dope Black Woman wherever you get your podcast from Spotify, Apple, etc. On Instagram, we're Dope Black Woman One, and on Twitter and Facebook, we're just Dope Black Woman. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blackly black. Blacktastic. Hey. That I find really difficult. Granted, I'm really. My podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, go on. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.